The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to this edition of The Shaleen Show. Today, we're going to talk about what it takes to be a finisher. Welcome to The Shaleen Show. Shaleen is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. I know normally on Fridays I do a car smart edition, but today's a little different. And that is because I was never in my car today. I was never in my car today because I spent the entire day doing something I didn't really feel like doing, but I had to finish it. Now, before I go into that, I want to kind of go way back because I'm hoping that you're listening to this, realizing that there's certain things you're not great at finishing. Maybe you just never finish anything. You're really good at starting things, but you just never finish anything. Or maybe you're a pretty good finisher, but there's some areas where you'd like to improve. I can tell you that this is something all of us can improve upon. If you're someone who's like, you're so bad at finishing things, you just jump from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, you can change that. It's a habit. So I want to go back to a time when I didn't know how to finish things. And that was pretty much all my life. (laughs) And I'm not blaming my parents because my parents are awesome. You've heard them on the show before. But I didn't have to finish anything. They didn't make me finish anything. If I didn't love doing something, if I just started it, if they had paid for, you know, six months worth of piano lessons and I went for a couple weeks and hated it because what kid doesn't hate piano lessons when they're little and want to just play, they'd let me quit. If I joined a softball team or you know, was playing on a sports team and I wasn't a starter or if I didn't have the coach's attention, I would want to quit. Anytime something got difficult or challenging or boring or anytime I felt like I wasn't going to get the attention or I wasn't going to be the best or it was going to be a struggle, I quit because it was uncomfortable. And I was allowed to do that. And in my mind, I thought, well, I'm getting decent or okay at a bunch of things. I knew I wasn't ever going to be great at anything, but I just didn't like that uncomfortable feeling when things got boring, when it was challenging. So I always just quit and I was allowed to. But as I got older and was on my own and married, I just realized like... (laughs) I'm going to live this life of mediocrity, like all these things that I want to accomplish, the house I want to live in, the way I want to be able to raise my children, the car I want to drive, the money I want to have in my bank account. Like, I'm not going to have any of those things unless I learn how to finish something. There's a lot that goes into finishing. But today I want to share with you the story of something. I can't even tell you right now that I'm finished with it, but I can tell you with 100% certainty I'm almost finished with it, and I've celebrated the finish of it prematurely several times, and that is my book. I mean, you've been hearing about it for almost a year now. This is my second book. The first book I wrote was called Push. It's about goal setting and you know how to accomplish you know, a healthier, happier life by learning how to get focused, how to finish, if you will, how to have a plan, how to create 
a vision for yourself for the life that you want, the life that you desire, how to create that plan and how to develop a plan that fits with your own priorities and your lifestyle and your belief, and then how to make it happen using a to-do list, a 30-day to-do list. That was my first book. It did, in fact, end up becoming a New York Times bestseller, which is amazing, unbelievable, so cool. But that was in 2011. And it wasn't the funnest thing I ever did. I have to tell you, you've heard me say this on the show before. I'm a slow writer. I would much rather talk to you. When it comes to writing, I reread and rewrite. And I just, that's one area I'd say I tend to be a perfectionist. And I'm not a perfectionist in any other area. And I don't even know if I could say I'm a perfectionist because now you're going to expect me to be a really good writer. I'm not. I just, I'd think about it and it wasn't fun. It was challenging and it was difficult. And I had to be super focused and I had to finish it. And I did. And that felt really really good. But I also vowed that it would be a long time before I wrote another book. And then along came my own health scare, where I had an issue with my brain, my health started to decline, I was struggling with my hormones and brain fog and leaky gut. And that, of course, led me to do the research I started on that eventually resulted in the one through one method, which you know, as you know, because you've been a part of this journey, unless you're a new listener, which hello, nice to meet you. But that journey was over two years of just interviewing people, a lot of whom you heard here on the show, visiting universities, reading research, reading every book that I could, learning how to read research, learning how to find research, learning how to pick research apart, learning how to pick experts apart, like learning what I was doing. I wasn't trying to create a program or a methodology or solution, I was trying to solve my own problem. Business was going great. We had launched the Marketing Impact Academy and Smart Success. So I wasn't looking to go in a new direction. Infomercials were crushing it. And that was, you know, I hate to say this because I don't want to sound the wrong way, but it was easy work, right? Like when you film an infomercial, you film for a couple of weeks and then you're done, you know? So life was good. Life was really good. I wasn't looking to do something new, but I was having this health problem. So I started to solve that for myself. And in the process, I was like, okay, like, so if I'm solving this for myself, I need to share this with other people like out of obligation because a lot of what I had been sharing about health and fitness and specifically nutrition, I now realized was BS. It wasn't based on sound science. And then I started to feel like a real, and you know me, I'm a sharer. Like if I learn something, I can't help but talk to you about it. And the guy who's begging my groceries and the woman who did not ask for my opinion, I can't help but share it. Like if I find something that's life-changing, I will force it on you because <laughs> I think it's going to make your life easier. And I'm a know-it-all and I like helping people. So as I started to realize all of these things for myself, I started sharing them with you. And then I realized, gosh, there's so many people struggling with the same thing, and I wanted to share it with them in a bigger, broader way. But my own solution was very individualized. It was very customized. So it's like, how do I teach people how to customize their own approach? And we started testing it with a beta testers. 25,000 people went through that process and so that I could kind of distill down a simplified way to walk people through 12 weeks. Okay, so then I create this 12-week online virtual experience where each week 
people. It's as if I'm going through this customized journey with you. So you know what you're doing week one on week one. This is now called, by the way, the 131 method, and you can learn more about it by going to 131method.com. But the way this program developed ultimately after we tested it and tested it and tested it, you know, test group after test group after test group, then eventually we had it distilled down to like the very most effective way to take anyone through 12 weeks and kind of customize their own approach. Three different phases, right? So each phase is a little different. Each phase you eat differently to affect your hormones, if you will. The primary focus of the whole thing is based around the root cause of most people's health problems. Almost any disease that someone's going to die of or going to suffer from can be traced back to gut health. And that to me was like, what? Then why are we really focused on gut health as like a nation? And I think you're going to see that happening. But so it starts off by really like, for the first four weeks, helping people repair their gut and balance their hormones. And then the next four weeks is a different phase of eating where you kind of change your approach to eating a little bit. We're following phases, kind of like seasons, as our ancestors did. So it's really like a return to how our biology was intended, like how we were meant to thrive. And along the way, people are learning in a very simplified, boiled down way, the science of their specific metabolism and how to control it and how to tweak it and how to understand their health and really be as healthy as possible, but not just in an Instagram kind of way. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a whole bunch of people who are popping out their booties and flexing their abs. And we think that's health because, you know, we can see their ripped eight pack. But meanwhile, their hair is falling out their hormones are destroyed, they're unhappy and experiencing mood swings and anxiety. And I mean, I'm not saying everybody, but I'm saying that that can be happening. You just don't know. In other words, you can't just look at someone and go, oh, okay, so that's healthy. Because in order for you to get down to that body weight or to be that lean might be incredibly unhealthy. And if you're following their exact diet, that's like trying to wear someone else's fingerprints. So each one of the phases is designed to help you customize and balance your own hormones, but really like put you in charge. And the only way you can be in charge is if you have a lot of knowledge and understanding. And the only way to get people excited and motivated to learn a lot is if they're rewarded and the reward is results. So the program is designed, and this is all going to make, I'm going to explain to you how this relates to a project that I just had to finish, which is the book, why this has taken so long. And it's something I really, I know you can learn from it. So stay with me. Okay. This is all going to make sense in a minute. So anyways, it's 12 weeks, but when someone joins the one through one method online, they don't go like, oh, okay, let me just like a book. You know, when you read a book, like let's say you're doing a program that's like 30 days, right? You read the whole book and then you start the program. You take a couple days to read the book and then you start. But an online program, I want it to be like a virtual coaching experience where, you know, why do you need to know what you're doing on week five until you get to week five? You know, there's, there's so much science. It just made sense for people to go like, okay, here's exactly what you need to know this week. And like do it in stages and steps, very doable, bite-sized pieces. People could, were and are and, and continue to be incredibly successful. So each week we would deliver just enough information for everyone who's doing it to be successful that week. 
And then each week you got new lessons, etc. Okay, so programs taking off. It's, you know, doing great. We've got like 40,000 people in it. And, you know, we're working with a business coach and our advisors and everyone's saying like, okay, if you really want this to catch on, you've got to have a book that corresponds with this program. I'm like, okay. Like Brett and I, every January, so this is last January, this is January 2018, Brett and I sit down and we make out our agenda, our plan. We basically, you know, schedule out or calendar what is going to happen each month through all of 2018. And in order to keep things in alignment with the way we prioritize our life, there's a lot of things we want to do, but we're like, well, we just can't because if we put two of those things in this month, then that's going to be an uncomfortable month because you always have to allow for the unexpected. You have to allow for the things you weren't anticipating. Life, family emergencies, tragedies, things you didn't expect to happen. I mean, that's life. So we don't jam-pack our schedule. We just decide like what thing we're going to do each month. That's going to be our focus. We pick a focus for each quarter, and then we kind of plot it out, and we stick to it. We've done that for the last, I think, uh, maybe 10 years, 11 years. I don't know how long it's been now, but ever since we put that policy in place, we've had this really happy balanced life. It's felt great. Let's see. It hasn't been 10 years. No, it has not. It's probably been eight years, eight years since we started doing this. And so we plot out our year, our 2018 and it did not include a book. So along comes February, 2018, we've got everything all planned out and we have all these advisors telling us, you have got to write the 131 book and you've got to start writing it now because you need it to come out in January of 2019. And we're like, okay, well, let's take a look at this. So we sit down and we meet and we're meeting with our team and our vice president and all of the members of our team, Kristen, everybody really. And we just kind of decide, you know what? Even Ashley Sweeney, I can't forget Ashley too, because Ashley Sweeney is our program director for the 131. And everyone kind of agreed like, yeah, well, this is going to be easy because Shalene You've already voiced the whole program, the online program, the virtual coaching program that people go through all 12 weeks. You've already filmed those videos and recorded those audio coaching programs. So this is going to be so easy. All we're going to do is we're going to take those audios and we'll get the transcripts of the audios and we'll just hire like a really great writer to just, you know, make it read like a book. Because obviously when I'm recording audios, I do it like this, you know, very conversational, like you're sitting across from me. It's not exactly the way I would write something. It's probably not the way you would read something. But, you know, it'd be very conversational. So I'm like, we all agreed, including myself, like that's going to be so easy. Yeah, sure. And then we'll create new recipes. You know, obviously I'm not the chef. I've hired a team of registered dietitians, hired celebrity chefs. I've got this great team around me. That's the whole premise of the One Through One program is it's not my program. It's the world's best experts. And I've just simmered it down and boiled it down to the essentials. So anyways, we all agree. Okay, this is going to be a piece of cake. Yeah, in the end, I'll kind of review things. Yeah, we've got to schedule some photo shoots. Of course, I'm going to have to spend a little bit of time like making sure everything looks good. But yeah, piece of cake. Okay, we can do this. And we turn it over. We hire uh, top photographers. We hire all the people that we need to create this book. We hire ghostwriters. And draft after draft after draft, it just wasn't 
working. And, you know, it's no fault of anyone's. I don't think any of the people we hired who had a lot of experience ghostwriting had ever done something like this. Usually, here's what ghostwriters usually do with a book. They usually sit down with an author and the author says, okay, here's what I would say, or here's my idea for a book, or here's what each of the chapters are. And the ghostwriter kind of pulls it out of the author. Or the ghostwriter kind of meets with an author and, and the author says, I, I kind of write, I'd like to write this kind of a book. Can you do the research and can you write the book and can I put my name on it? That happens too. Just depends on what kind of arrangement you have. But the ghostwriters we were working with, and myself included, we'd never done something this way before, ever. So as hard as we tried to make it work, think about it. I mean, when have you ever read a book where the science that you need or the information that you need to start the whole program and make those changes, you need all of that up front, and then you need to know the plan, and then you need to just do the plan, and then you need to see the recipe. So it was like... I can't even describe for you how confusing it was to just go, how does this translate into a book? Now, I'm looking at what this ghostwriter is sending back that's an edited version of my transcripts. And I'm like, yeah, I said all these things, but like it doesn't make sense in this order for someone who's reading a book. And we just went back and forth for a couple of months in total frustration. And then finally, I just realized it just can't be done this way. It can't be done this way and serve people. I've got to write this book the way a book is written, not the way an online coaching program is delivered. It's completely different, completely different. So the only way I can describe it is if you were to work with a personal trainer for, say, three months, that personal trainer on day one or for the first week isn't telling you everything you need to know that you're going to need to know for the next 12 weeks. They would kind of ease you into it and walk you through it day by day. That's what our online program is like. But if you were buying a book about how to transform your body, it would be very different, right? You would need all the information up front, kind of like what you need to know and then what you need to do and then how you do it. So bottom line is this. I had to sit down and start from scratch and write the freaking book. The thing that I don't love doing that I do really, really slow. The thing that we hadn't allowed time for, that we hadn't scheduled in, the thing that I was the least excited to do. It's not that I wasn't excited about writing the book. How can you be excited about something that's gonna be so, 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 so hard <laughs> in my head, right? And I'm just gonna be honest with you, I wasn't excited about sitting on my butt, doing the same thing for hours and hours and hours, day after day after day. I wasn't excited about disrupting my life because I freaking love my life. So that's the first thing I want you to take away from this is I was excited about the end product. I was excited about what the 131 book would do for people. I was not excited about how hard it was going to be. So don't let that confuse you when you feel like quitting something especially if you feel like quitting something because you don't think it's fun, it's not fulfilling in it. But if the finished product is going to be fulfilling and it serves a purpose, you gotta get through the part that's not fun. I mean, I just had this conversation with my daughter earlier today and she was talking about some projects and cool things that she wants to do this year and she was making a brainstorming list about them. And I said to her, just don't forget that all these things you're really excited about doing – 
after you're like a couple weeks or even a month into them, you're going to hate them. (laughs) You're going to lose your interest, but you're going to need to finish. Just like when you were running track. I remember seeing, you know, your eyes and realizing like, oh man, she is not loving running this race, but you have to finish. You have to finish. And that's how I felt every day of writing this book. So I took back the full-blown writing of it, I think in February, March, maybe, March, maybe April, March or April is when I completely went full-time. And when I say full-time, I really mean full-time writing this 400-page book. And it's got 100 new recipes in it. And it was hard, really, really hard. And I didn't like sitting all day. And I wanted to be at the office and I wanted to be with my team. And I wanted to work on all the fun project that we had planned out at the beginning of 2018. And I wanted to build all of these things that we talked about doing. And every day I thought about all the things, other things I wanted to do. And I felt sorry for myself. And I was angry and I was not fun to be around some days. And I was bitter. I literally felt sorry for myself because I kept saying to Brett, I love my life, but I don't love it right now. Everything was perfect. And now I felt like I was on house arrest. And I think if you've ever written a book, you know what I'm talking about, or maybe think about the worst term paper you ever had to write. And imagine that term paper taking nine months. Seriously, that's what it was like. And I didn't get to see my friends and I didn't get to spend as much time doing fun things that I love doing. And just because that's the other thing is because I'm a slow writer every day, I'd be like, okay, girl, if you just bust out eight hours today, then tomorrow you can treat yourself by like, you know, doing something fun that you love to do. But every day. Day, even if I spend eight hours, I'm like, I'm not far enough along. Here's another really important thing for you to recognize. This is the next tip. If you are a quitter, like you're good at starting things, but you quit, people are good at starting things. They look at their progress, they look at what they've done, and they go, that's pretty good. And I'm all for celebrating. But people who learn to finish, instead of looking at how far they've come, They keep looking at the finish line and that's what you have to do. So I kept looking at like, okay, so I've got this much more to go. Remember that phrase. I've got this much left to do. I've got this much more to go. Now it's fine and important to look back at how far you've come once you've crossed the finish line. But if you do it before then, you're going to slow yourself down and you're likely to quit. So every day I kept going, okay, but I've just got this much more to go. And I just kept researching and writing and double checking and rereading and then rereading it again and going, okay, how can I boil this down to its most simplified basic form? Because this book can't be as in-depth as the online program. That's a different person, a person who wants to walk through and have that online experience, the person who wants a community, the person who would like wants to truly understand how and why and hear my voice and have them learn like all the ins and outs and all the all the information that helps them to motivates them to make a change that's a different person than the person who's like okay i want to pick up this book i want to be able to read it in a weekend and i want to be able to start on monday that is a different person 
So I don't have to give that person all the information. I'm super guilty of giving people too much information. So I kept having to look at what I had created the day before and go, okay, now imagine your mom's reading this. Imagine you know, one of your girlfriends is reading this who's not as much of a geek about information and science and nutrition as you are now, Shaleen. But imagine, like, what's the minimum amount, the essentials that they need to be successful? So I would kind of like write and write and write, and then I would go back the next day and go scale it back, dial it back, make it more basic, make it easier to understand. Because I really want this book to change people's lives. I want it to be the thing that changes the legacy of health, not in just the person's life who picks up the book, but in their children's life. I want them to have healthier kids and healthier grandchildren. You know, the eggs that a woman has inside of her today, they will have an impact on the health of her grandchildren. Isn't that crazy? And that can all be impacted by health. So it felt like a really big, important project, something that I couldn't do halfway. So every day I applied the third principle I want to share with you if you want to become a finisher, and that is whatever it takes. We made a decision. I made a commitment. I was going to finish this project, and I wasn't going to do it part way. I was going to do it right. That meant I had to take on a whatever it takes attitude. That meant I did not check emails. This is the truth. For nine months, unless, I call her my boss, Kristen, who's also the podcast manager, unless Kristen said, okay, you have got to look at such and such email, which if there was an emergency, I would look at it. But otherwise, my team knew how to reply on my behalf. That meant I declined every single opportunity that came my way. It meant that there were projects that were going to make us a lot more money, that were going to be much more fun. There were speaking opportunities. There were so many cool things that I really had planned on doing, was excited to do, and we had to decline them. It meant that areas of our business suffered. It meant that my abilities as a leader were impaired. You can't lead if you're not there. But I made that decision. I made that commitment, whatever it takes. And I knew I knew that it was going to have an impact on my business and our bottom line, but I also evaluated the benefits, meaning what kind of an impact could I make with this book? And what's more important, and to me, I made the decision that we could recover financially. We could recover. Our team is amazing, and they're resilient, and they're loyal, and they have integrity. And the people who are meant to be with us are with us. And we lost a few people this year, but we lost the people who we were supposed to lose. You know what I mean? Like God has a plan for us. God has a plan for them. And everything worked out as it was supposed to. But I had to make a decision to do whatever it takes. And I knew that there were going to be financial repercussions. It had repercussions on my relationships. It had repercussions on my health, on my fitness, on my happiness, because I couldn't have the same routine. I mean, thank goodness for exercise because that is how I was able to stay sane. But it was not easy, but I finished it all the way to the end. And that's the fourth point I wanted to share with you is that you have to, throughout the process, if you are in the habit of quitting things, quitters, I can say this because I was a a jumper, a quitter, We picture ourselves quitting, 
I distinctly remember most things I started, I would imagine myself quitting on the day that I started. I could imagine myself turning in my resignation for most jobs that I started. I imagined myself quitting most teams that I had joined. I could picture myself quitting almost everything I started. I would say to myself, uh, in the back of my mind, like that little voice would say, you're probably not going to finish this. I never used the word quit because that felt negative. But in my mind, I always said, uh, probably not going to finish this. Have you done that? And what I had to change is I had a picture in my mind. I had to visualize finishing things. And now that's how I approach anything that's important. I picture myself finishing it. I pictured the cover. I pictured myself doing podcast interviews. I pictured myself signing the book and sharing with you how excited I was when it was released. I pictured those things. Today, I'm excited because (laughs) this is kind of funny. As I'm recording this, like right now, which is, I think, January 3rd, But anyways, whatever day I'm recording this on, the book is already available on Amazon. And here's the funny thing, is the cover isn't even on it. I mean, you can go to Amazon, check it out, and you can pre-order the book. And it doesn't even have a cover. I know what the cover looks like because we've finished it, but it probably won't be up for another week. And it's crazy to me that there are so many of you who've been along for this journey with me and you've already pre-ordered it. And there's not even a freaking cover. It just says one through one method. So go check it out. Go to Amazon.com and just type in 131 Method. See if it pops up. Here's the cool thing about it being on pre-sale already is if you ordered on pre-sale, you know, before it's actually printed, if the price goes down, you get the best possible price. So the book doesn't come out until April and obviously you're not charged for it until it releases. But it's just, it's like, it touches my heart to think that I have people support. Like my own my mom hasn't even pre-ordered it yet. I'm going to get on her tomorrow. But it, like you have, and that's unbelievable to me. And I've said this, like I feel like part of my social media family needs to have co-author credit on this book because I did not hide the fact that this is what I was doing and that it was hard I say, you know, the most unhealthy thing you could possibly do is to write a book about health (laughs) because you'll stay inside. You won't get enough vitamin D. You won't get enough exercise. You'll have really bad posture slouched over a keyboard. You'll become really unhappy and grumpy and lose all sense of balance and stay up way later than you're supposed to. Like I laugh because one of the sections I was writing about the importance and significance of sleep, which by the way, I'm a really good sleeper now. But when like the week that I wrote that chapter, I was like, what a kind of a hypocrite am I? I am not getting good sleep. I would stay up till, there's a couple of times I'm like, okay, I'm going to stay up till two o'clock in the morning because I'm going to get this freaking chapter done if it kills me, whatever it takes. And I'm like, this is not good. Hello, I'm writing a chapter about brain health. I can't be a hypocrite and not get good sleep. So then what would I do? I would put on my sleep mask and I would set my alarm for seven hours later. And then I'd be in a worse mood because I felt like I'd slept away half of my day. I'm really complaining. But my point is this. I love you for pre-ordering it. I kept picturing what the book would look like. In my mind, I see the book on Amazon, even though right now it just says, image pending or something. Probably by the time you hear this, the cover will be up. I think we'll see. If it's not, go there and take a screenshot of it because I think that's kind of cool that you could see it before it's actually 
the cover's even been decided upon. But yeah, the book's going to be called One Through One Method, and it'll come out on April 16th. I've already celebrated the book being finished. Here's the other thing I wanted to say is I, I celebrated the book being finished. This is the mistake I made. Okay, I celebrated the book being finished before it was really finished. I celebrated it being done when I turned in the final manuscript. Wouldn't that seem like the day that you would celebrate it being done? And I felt such a sense of relief. I'm like, I'm back. Woohoo! She's going to go crazy. She's going to drink some dry farm wines, and she's going to have a good time, and she's going to go back to her routine, and she is happy, and she is done. But then, like a week later, I got a follow-up email from my publisher, who I love, by the way. I love Hay House. It's just me. I didn't know that I'm really not done until the book goes to print, which is cool because they keep giving me an opportunity to like, okay, so you know, here are all the changes that we made. Just want to double check, Shalina, were these the photos that you selected? Is this the name of the recipes? Does this piece go here? Is this the testimonial you wanted to use? Is this the person's before and after photo? And then I'll be like, yep. And then I'll sign off on all that. And then like a couple of days later, I'll get another email back. They'll say like, okay, we just want to make sure you're cool with the way the book is described on Amazon. And maybe it's only a couple of paragraphs, but I'll spend the entire day carefully picking apart each and every word. Because if you've written 400 words, how do you like, like condense that down so that it, you know, people really understand what they're getting in a couple of paragraphs? And yep, I'll spend the entire day dedicated to writing those couple of paragraphs. Technically, I'm done with the book, but I'm officially not done until it goes to print. But technically, I'm done. Yeah, I am a finisher. Quitting is a decision, but it can also be a bad habit. Learning to be a finisher is a skill. And people who finish things are valuable. They're valuable to their employers. They're valuable to the world. Because if you don't finish what you started, you can't put it out to the world. And if you don't share what it is you started because you never finished it, you can't change people's lives. You can't have the impact on one other person if you never finish that thing. Be a finisher. To review, the steps to becoming a finisher is number one, you have to know your history. You have to know, are you someone who has a tendency for quitting things, giving up, putting it aside? Are you the kind of person who starts things, but you don't cross the finish line? Do you do that? Sometimes you do it all the time. So step one is just like knowing your history and knowing when that happens. Like what's the trigger? Is it because you get bored? Is it because somebody else is in charge? Is it because it gets tough? Is it because you fear that people will criticize you if you actually do put it out there? Is it because you're a perfectionist? So you just keep working it, working it, working it, and then you just put it aside. Is it because you don't know how to plan or strategize? You don't have accountability? Just know your history. Number two is you've got to remove the obstacles. For me, that was learning how to focus. I had to remove all work, all distractions, all emails, all projects, all deadlines, all opportunities. I had to remove all distractions. Number three is you have to adopt a whatever-it-takes attitude. And then you got to do whatever it takes to make it happen. And then number four is you have to picture, you have to visualize yourself finishing. Do not allow to enter into your head anything but that finish line. Don't look to your left. Don't look to your right. Don't look back to see how far you've come. Don't look next to you to see if someone's passing you. Just keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes focused on the finish. Be a finisher. 
Thank you so much for sharing your time with me today. Thank you for sharing this journey with me. Thank you for your support. Thank you for in advance buying the 131 method. By the way, if you do, save your order number. I'm going to hook you up. I've got some big plans for you and all you're going to need to do eventually is enter your order number. So if you do happen to order in advance on Amazon, please save your order number, save your Amazon information, and I will release more details on that hopefully next week. Until then, I want you to know I love you so much. You are the bomb.com and I'll talk to you soon.